Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today we have a very special guest who got up early, especially for us. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jimmy. We have Jimmy Moore from the States. He is a prolific podcast podcaster i guess i should say he's he's been uh podcasting every day for quite some time now he's got an amazing story jimmy welcome aboard to the wellness guys show and uh could you tell us a little bit about your story because i think people will be fascinated by that hey guys or as we say here in the southern united states howdy <laughs> howdy jimmy <laughs> howdy jimmy i can even pull a howdy out at 7 30 in the morning baby but uh <laughs> yeah my story is one that's uh, pretty fun to tell because it has a happy ending. Um, and I would say it has a happy ongoing uh, life as well because a lot of people that go on a weight loss journey and it's like there's this beginning point and there's this end point and then it's like, then what? But for me, uh, it was all about lifestyle change and getting that point home. I know people talk about that a lot these days. But when you truly embrace it and truly make it a part of your life, you don't ever go off. You just keep doing what was working for you for the rest of your life to be happy and healthy. So for me, it started in 2004, uh, January 1st, 2004, after years of morbid obesity. Uh, I was on three prescription medications for breathing, for high cholesterol, for high blood pressure. It was 410 pounds with a size 62-inch waist. Wow. Just on and on and on, and I could go. Uh, my dear mother-in-law bought me Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution and said, here, read this book. You could probably use it. Subtle. <laughs> <Like, laughs> as if I don't know I'm already fat. Um, but, you know, I'm grateful to her for that because she – and she had bought me a lot of diet books over the years. But that one, for some reason, it just stuck with me, um, and I thought this guy is – a whacked job, you know, Dr. Atkins, there's no way you can eat like this and lose weight. It just goes against everything I had ever heard in my whole life. And, but I decided to give it a try. What the heck? I've done low fat diets, loss gain, loss gain, loss gain for so many years, 410 pounds at the age of 32. I really needed to do something. So I started on the Atkins diet in January of 2004. It's my new year's resolution. And I lost 30 pounds in that first month. Wow. Now, wow. seems like a lot. It's just a drop in the bucket. You're only getting started. By yeah. the second month, end of the second month, I'd lost 40 more pounds for a total of 70. By the end of 100 days, I had lost 100 pounds. And at the end of that year, I had uh, gotten down 180 pounds to 230. Wow. That is just incredible. I mean, that's, that's like, huge. I don't think any of us weigh over 180 pounds. <laughs> that's, that's, like, mate, I, like, that's such, there's just, they're amazing, great numbers. That's incredible. Um, 
I, when I was practicing naturopathy full time, I'm a naturopath as well as a chiropractor. I don't know if you knew that, uh, mate, but uh, I, we we used to use a low carb thing, and often I put people on low, very low carb to stimulate fat loss. I, at the time, I'd heard about the Atkins thing. I moved into something that was similar to the Atkins thing, and we were under a lot of pressure in Australia, a lot of fire from the medical profession saying that we we're being dangerous, we we're bumping people's cholesterol levels up, we we're increasing the risk of heart disease. And that wasn't what we were seeing clinically. What did you see clinically after having lost that much weight doing very low-carb Atkins-style eating? Well, all I can tell you is my story, because I'm not a physician, I can't really tell anything more than what I saw. For me... That's, we, that's what we want. Yeah. Uh, all three medications went bye-bye within nine months. I, I think nice. I had to drop the uh, blood pressure medication within like three or four months, because I would be getting up off the couch and going pitch black. I'm going, whoa, what's going on here? It was my blood pressure going too low because I was taking blood pressure medication and didn't need it anymore. Right. And, and cholesterol, that was you, you, that all sorted itself out, of course? Yes. Um, it, the numbers all kind of shifted from triglycerides being really high to down in the double digits. Um, yeah. And the LDL, uh, uh, the LDL actually did go up temporarily um, when I first lost the weight, and that's not abnormal. You no, know, that's common. Yeah. The HDL going up, that really stoked me. I, be, I believe my numbers was like in the low 20s when I started Atkins, and at the end of that year, uh, my HDL had risen to 72. So that's a very good uh, improvement in the in the lipids. Um, and I commissioned by a publisher to write a layman's perspective on how to read your cholesterol test results that's coming out in 2013 so you get the scoop i haven't told anybody that yet so hmm, excellent yeah that's, it, that's damien that's do you awesome. mind just do you mind uh, just explain to people just in case people are wondering why the ldl goes up after extreme weight loss just to clarify that point yeah, well, there's actually two things that can actually happen initially. What might have actually happened with Jimmy is his triglycerides might have bumped up initially. Like in the first couple of weeks, they might have bumped up just as he was flooding triglyceride back out of his fat cells back into his uh, in, into his bloodstream. So that might have happened. And then LDL uh, is is just one of the fractions of cholesterol that the liver manufactures in response to stress. And it's quite a stressful thing to lose quite a lot of weight. And it's possible that he might have been pumping out some LDLs as a stress response initially um, while his body was just getting used to losing so much weight. So it's probably just a, it was just a normal natural response. But it's, this is why it's really important, and Jimmy made this point, that over time everything corrected itself and worked out really, really well, which is the point. And what, was, what a lot of people saw initially when they were doing you know, blood pathology testing when you know, they started the programs, they would find uh, escalation of some of their numbers and go, oh my gosh, this is bad. But it's the long-term thing that Jimmy's talking about that actually makes the difference, and that's where everything's normalized, and that's what's really good, Jimmy. Absolutely. Jimmy, I just want to get to the psychology of this. I mean, you were 410 pounds um, at the beginning, and you've been through all these diet books and stuff, and you tried it. What was, what sort of just drove you with that this book was going to make the difference? Well, it wasn't the book that, that kind of convinced me. It was the results I was seeing. Right. I mean, when 30 pounds in one month, 70 pounds in two months, 100 pounds in 100 days, that's kind of a motivating factor to keep doing this. Yeah. It wasn't losing, you know, just three or four pounds a week or whatever. 
there was a point in there where I went 10 weeks in a row and did not lose a single pound on the scale. But it was at that point I had already lost 100 pounds. I was like, I'm not going to give this up. Obviously, something's working about it, even though right now it's not working. That doesn't mean just because it stopped working for, uh, you know, people give up after a week when something's working in their mind. It went almost three months for me before the scale started moving again. But yeah. what most was I'd already seen success. I'd already known that this was a diet that obviously is right for me. It's doing something right and was shedding pounds. So I stuck with it. And don't you know, during that 10 weeks that I didn't lose weight, quote unquote, on the scale, I ended up losing about four or five inches off of my waist. <laughs> That's awesome. So Jimmy, going right back to the start, mate. So what was your diet like before you made these changes? Um, think of the worst absolute worst possible foods you could eat and i was probably eating them <laughs> and i was probably eating those things i was having 16 cans of coca-cola a day Jeez. and you think about it one coke has what 45 grams of mostly high fructose corn syrup in it mm. uh was that 16 times 45 oh i don't want to do the math on that <laughs> <laughs> and then um, little debbie snack cakes do you guys have those in australia no i don't think so no. ah well, there are these little snack cakes that's just all it is is a sugar flour bomb, and it does nothing for your health. And I was eating two boxes of these. There's probably about a dozen, like, oatmeal cakes and Swiss rolls and all these. Uh, I can't even – I mean, it just repulses me to think about eating anything like that today. Wow. I was eating those. I was having big plates of pasta. Macaroni and cheese was its own food group to me. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was living, I guess what you would say, the typical – standard american way of eating and a lot of fast food we'll go to mcdonald's in the morning i know you have mcdonald's mm. mcdonald's in the morning and have you know sausage biscuits and gravy and and big old soda to wash it down i i was literally a carb addict and a half wow so jimmy how did you find the cravings when you made the change mate <laughs> so the first few days, and of course, I didn't have any help other than Dr. Atkins's book. You know, there, there's all these forums and podcasts and blogs and all this stuff out there now for people to support them. Um, but back then, I didn't know about any of that stuff. Uh, so I went into this kind of cold turkey by myself. And in hindsight, I wish I had had some help because those first few days, dude, oh my gosh. I thought I wanted to kill myself. I was so, I was hurting so bad. But you think about it, all that food I was just telling you I had on a daily basis immediately stopped. So I was yeah. no longer having sugar. I was no longer basically uh, loading my body with thousands of carbohydrates a day, no doubt was what I was doing, to suddenly going to 20 grams of carbohydrate a day, trying to eat mostly fat, which was cool. But, oh my gosh, the body was like, what are you doing? Are you trying to kill me? You know, it really kind of went into a, a state of shock there for a few days. But something amazing happened when I got beyond the headaches and got beyond the the, the shakes and, and getting over kind of the – I was basically coming off of cocaine is what it felt like. Wow. I don't know what that feels like, but I'm assuming that's what it feels like. <laughs> um, and it totally rocked my world when I got on the other side of that within about a week. I felt the most amazing energy I'd ever had in my entire life. Um, it was definitely well worth the pain to get to that point. 
and I haven't been out of that point since. How did you get through that week? Like, I mean, what drove you to continue with like all that headache, all that, you know, that withdrawal? Like what was going through your head? What was going through my head was my brother, Kevin, uh, had just a few years back had a series of heart attacks, Mm. uh, three straight heart attacks in a row um, where it almost killed him in 1999. I remember I did this in 2004. In 1999, my brother was 32. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what I was in 2004? I was 32. Right. I did not want to follow in his footsteps, and I knew I was a ticking time bomb just waiting to have a heart attack just like him. Uh, he did eventually die in 2008, and he is what keeps me motivated to keep educating people today uh, about the alternatives that are out there because unfortunately all people are hearing is low fat, low fat, low fat, healthy whole grains, exercise till you drop. And unfortunately those messages don't work for everyone. No, oh, it's a powerful message. That's it. That's it. Jimmy, um, are you still following Atkins today? Like, are you still living that same style of, of eating? You know, we're talking eight years on now. Is that what you're still doing? It is. Uh, it's almost nine coming January 1st uh, next year. It'll be nine nice. years. I can't believe uh, Yeah, I still apply the principles of high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carbohydrate. That's what Dr. Atkins believed in, and if it worked for him, for all his patients over the years, then it should continue to work for me for the rest of my life. One change that I have done in the past couple of years that'll bring a big smile to your guys' faces, uh, I kind of shifted from the focus on solely on macronutrients to more of a macronutrient quality uh, nice. type of diet. People like Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, uh, different ones out there that are really promoting, hey, you know, take it to the next level. Don't just stay on low-carb, high-fat and think that's going to be enough. You really need to, especially when, when you do this for a while, you want to go ahead and tighten up the quality. Mm. Um and that's what food quality has done for me. So I'm choosing the grass-fed meats and the pastured eggs, and, I, and I'm and i in love with the Kerrygold butter over from Ireland, and it's grass-fed butter, and just on and on and on, coconut oil, really choosing those highest quality foods because, you know what, my body's worth that. It's it's such a great point. I uh, I, I think it's it's a great thing to to live a very primal lifestyle. I think that's that's the key thing, and the quality of your food is so important. We all believe that. Then Lawrence and Brett and myself, we all talk about the quality of the food that goes in determines the quality of the human being that is expressed. And so, whilst you can bring about massive rapid fat loss by balancing out your macronutrients to support um, either obviously the speed at which your weight loss uh, was achieved um, or the maintenance of your weight um, at whatever stage you want. You can play around with your macronutrients. The quality of the health of your body is, I believe, directly determined by the quality of the food that actually goes into your body, not just the macronutrients themselves. So it's, uh, it's great to hear that not only have you followed those principles that you learned with Atkins, which I think are excellent, um, and then you've applied them with high-quality food. I, I just think that's that's excellent. And I think that's what a lot of people miss in terms of what they would say, or how do you maintain that rapid weight loss? How do you keep all that fat off over a long period of time? And I say, well, it's about making, obviously what you said before, making it part of your lifestyle or this here, your lifestyle, but eating awesome quality foods so that it's really enjoyable. Have you, and have you found that when it's more, in, it's more enjoyable because it's better quality? Is that what you're finding now? Oh, it's certainly more enjoyable. And, and, you know, one of the excuses that people use for not getting the higher quality ingredients is, oh, I can't afford it or I can't yeah. find it. 
in America, there is a website, eatwild.com, where people can go and, and find a farm or a farmer's market that's near them to buy these quality foods. And what ends up happening is you buy these foods, and for a high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carb advocate, you get foods that are so nourishing, so satisfying for you, they take away the hunger so quickly, there's no cravings, that you end up eating less food spontaneously. There's no need to count calories because your body is going to naturally regulate those uh, if you're eating properly for your body. Mm. Um, and so what I found is I'm only eating a couple of times a day now. And when I do eat, it's very nutrient-rich, grass-fed meats, uh, pastured eggs, coconut oil, those kinds of things. And you find you don't need to waste money on going to the vending machine. You don't buy the Little Debbie snack cakes anymore that are 10 for $10. You don't buy the Coca-Colas, which are going outrageously high because corn prices are going up. But you just don't need those things anymore. So you have more money than you think. People are thinking, oh, on top of what I'm already spending on all these carbs, I can't afford it. But if you take away all that money and pull it and start buying the good stuff, you'll have plenty of money to buy them. Such a great point, Jimmy, and I reckon it's so true, mate. Now, Jimmy, you made the changes really quickly. Um, so you spoke about the, the real cravings and how hard that was in that first week, and obviously you lost a significant amount of weight pretty quickly as well. Um, do, do you recommend people doing it that way, or do you think that maybe people should do it, you know, sort of like, you know, bit by bit to, to avoid having those huge cravings? What, what's your recommendation around that? You know, I wasn't trying to lose weight fast, slow, or in between. I just needed to lose. And so when I started my plan, it was all a matter of, hey, I got to do something. The fact that my weight dropped 30 pounds in one month, 100 pounds, 100 days, that just happened to happen because I was following the plan. Um, I certainly don't think anybody should put unnecessary expectations on themselves. Um, I think that's what de derails a lot of people. I get email. I get over 400 emails a day, you guys. And I hear people who write to me and say, hey, I've been doing this diet for two weeks. I've only lost eight pounds so far. What's wrong? <laughs> Why is this? <laughs> damn, damn the biggest loser. It's the biggest loser that sets all this sort of stuff up. It's those sorts of shows, I reckon, that, uh, that people watch and they see cuts of three weeks cut into one week. And they see uh, what someone of similar sort of weight um, has lost in a period of time on television, not actually what was the real period of time. Having worked in reality television, you kind of know what, what can be done and what is done. Not that my show did that, but other shows have done that uh, where they actually film a three-week period and the weigh-in period is, is that end, end of the three weeks or two weeks and they make it seem like it's a one-week weigh-in period. So people have this unrealistic expectation. The other thing is, too, that people kind of go, well, if that person can lose a kilo, I can lose a kilo and I should be able to get a kilo every single week. So I'm talking kilos, not pounds now because a lot of the people in, who are our listeners are uh, talking kilos, not pounds, Jimmy, so I'm just I'm translating it. But if it is pounds, you know, say we're talking 10 pounds or whatever or two pounds, but the, the thing is that just because it happens for one person doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. And the idea that you should always lose the same amount every single week uh, implies that uh, life is linear, and it's not. And there's so many different things that can influence it, and it's the longevity and, and the period of time that you stick to any kind of program that brings about the results, which is exactly what you've achieved, Jimmy. Is that what you would say to people? Don't worry about what your gains or your losses are in short periods of time. Look at the long term. 
So, yeah, I agree with that. But, but the other thing I would add is, you know, people too often like to compare themselves with other people. And I think that yeah. is a fatal flaw uh, because people tend to, uh, you know, say, hey, well, that person lost X amount of weight in X amount of time. I should be able to. But the reality of the situation is we're not all the same. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody listening necessarily wants my body. I don't want their body because we have individual metabolisms that uh, that work for us. And we have to we have to basically eat for us and nobody else. So it's comparing yourself to other people. You're just basically setting yourself up for failure. Don't do that. You know, set modest goals for yourself, but don't say, well, X uh, amount of weight was off of Johnny this week. So I have to get that amount of weight or I'm a failure. Yeah, and I think one thing we always talk about, Jimmy, is um, you know not focusing on the weight loss. You know, focus on, like you said, changing your lifestyle, getting yourself into a healthy lifestyle, and then your weight will take care of itself. And and as you said, that might mean there's some weeks where you don't lose any weight, but you're actually you know your pant size is changing because you're converting fat to muscle, or you know different stuff is going on in your body. Um, so th- and that's why it's about you know getting the lifestyle so that you're you're healthy rather than just focusing solely on the weight. That's right. Yeah, I love what uh, Rob Wolf says about this. He says, throw away the scale. Or, or no, what he, what he says is, get your scale, put a bow on it, and give it to an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I it. love it. It's good. Then, love it. Yourself goals that are performance-driven rather than uh, aesthetics. And so instead yeah. of trying to look, look better, instead of trying to get a better weight on the scale – you know, drive yourself to do one pull-up this week, uh, and next week do three pull-ups. And, w- and what spontaneously happens when you have these performance goals is, guess what? You start shedding body fat, you start looking better, feeling better, getting stronger, and everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah I love it. it. Jimmy, when you first started, um, obviously you focused a lot on the food aspect. When did you start, you know, adding exercise, in, in, you know, into the part of the scheme? I was 400 plus pounds. I could hmm. barely breathe. I was on medication for, hmm. <gasps> I was just like wheezing. It was really hard. Um, and so the first month I'm like, well, I'm going to do this diet. There's no way I'm getting on any treadmill or anything yet. That's just too much. But at the second month, I said, you know what? I'm feeling fantastic. Hmm. Maybe I need to release some of this energy in the form of exercise. So even without thinking about wanting to do that, I spontaneously started exercising that's amazing and on the treadmill i would do about 15 minutes at three miles an hour which if anybody's ever walked on treadmill that's that's slow (laughs) (laughs) 300 pounds i had lost 30 pounds at that point i was 380 pounds that was a lot for me um and i was like dripping with sweat i was having trouble breathing was really kind of, it was, it was a big workout for me. I mean, you think about walking on the treadmill, 380 pounds, I was literally lifting my body weight with every step. And, uh, but it felt so good through the pain. And I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to do this every single day, at least for a little while, see how I do. And man, oh man, I love for fitness. Like I'd never gotten before, and uh, eventually went to the elliptical, eventually from there started lifting weights, eventually from there, a la uh, Mark Sisson doing sprints. Um, it's just, you know, you, you kind of progress along. People think, oh, I could never do sprints. Well, no, you can't today, but six months from now, maybe. 
Nice. Yeah, and that's the awesome thing when you take that long-term perspective, isn't it, Jimmy? That it's not, it's not about what you can do next week or next month, but the, the amount of change you can create in a year or five years or ten years is, is more than you can possibly imagine at this stage, probably. Jim, Jimmy, I got a question for you. I mean, obviously, um, when you started making changes, what about your family and friends, you know, around you? Did they, you know, get inspired as well? Or did you have a lot of people just sort of ignoring the fact that you, you were losing this weight and didn't want to change themselves? I mean, it's eight, nine years on now, so. And I, I do remember that, actually, uh, even eight, nine years later. But I have a, a story about nine years later here in a minute. But the year that I was <laughs> losing weight, so funny because – Nobody noticed I was losing weight until I passed 100 pounds lost. That's wow. how noticeable it was to people. I was so big, even losing 100 pounds, it still wasn't noticeable. It wasn't until I got to 102 or 3 pounds that I had a haircut or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's happened kind of over the years is People are like, okay, great, that worked for you, good for you, but that's unhealthy. They still have this mantra in their head that the way I got there was unhealthy. Now, if anybody went on a vegan diet or cut their fat or did a gastric bypass surgery or any of these other methods that are more commonly accepted, nobody would ever say, well, there's uh, that, that worked for you, but that could never work. No, they're looked at as, hey, that's a success. But if a low-carb person does it that eats a lot of fat, they're like, oh, there's no way that's healthy. Even though you look better, there's no way that's healthy. You can't do it. Which is why I want to live a long and healthy life eating this way to kind of show people, look, I mean, it's almost a decade now I've been on this diet and I'm not dead. <laughs> and I'm actually, you know, thriving in my health. So I, I, I can't complain. Yeah, you can't argue with that, can you? You can't argue with the numbers. A lot of people have all these perceptions, but it's based on a lot of the old information from the 80s. You know how there's a lot of things that get stuck in the 80s that have kind of found their way into the 2010s? You know, kind of look at like bad haircuts, bad cars, 80s music, you know, 80s jeans, all that sort of stuff. And, the, and I just noticed the other day that fluoro T-shirts are coming back in. So, Bretto, you'll be right back at home again, which is fantastic. But the whole low-fat <laughs> thing is uh, is just rung. It's just keep on. It's, it's stuck around like a bad smell, which is really it's, it's disturbing because people base health on the amount of fat, um, not necessarily the amount of carbohydrate or the amount of sugar. And so, Jimmy, you know, you're spot on. What you're doing is probably a million times healthier than the average – Joe in the US and what they're eating or the average Joe in Australia or New Zealand or the UK, what they're eating because most people are eating bucket loads of bread, they're having donuts, they're having croissants, they're having all kinds of, you know, um, ordinary quality foods um, and often, you know, pre-packaged and processed meals for, for their meals each day and uh, you're doing everything fresh. How can that be bad for you, I want to ask? How can eating fresh real foods be bad for you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly how could that be unhealthy you've got to ask your mates who don't want to follow your lead because I reckon what you've achieved is outstanding do they actually think that what you're doing is unhealthy because it just it, it blows my mind I think we're getting there it's just going to take shows like yours shows like mine people out there like Dr. Robert Lustig on 60 Minutes recently you know ex exposing the dangers of consuming sugar and sugar I just need a 
massive re-education in the in the world, and, and thankfully it's happening in places like Sweden right now, where LCHF, low carb, high fat, is taken off. And it's really penetrating their culture. And if it can happen in Sweden, it can happen in Australia, it can happen in the United States. I really believe that's going to come here in the years to come. Thank you so much for all your insight. I mean, that's just been fantastic information. And what an amazing and inspiring story. Um, and I'm glad you have taken your story and really, you know, you know, really spread the word about it and uh, tell everybody about it. Your podcasts are absolutely amazing. You got you got three. Like, you do one every day <laughs> here. So um, to get more information you know, from our listeners who want to get more information about you, where did, where should they go? Yeah, there's kind of a main hub for where people can find all my sites, my blog, my forum, my, my three podcasts, my books and all that. It's at livinlavidalowcarb.com. There's no G. It's livin as in livin la vida loca. It's livinlavidalowcarb.com. Plus I'm coming to Australia here in a, in a few months. My wife and I are doing a tour of Australia, so I look forward to being there in a few months. Oh, fantastic! We'll have to put nice. that on our website to uh, to let people know. Well, thanks, Jimmy. Really appreciate it, and I really hope you guys check uh, Jimmy's uh, site out because there's so much information out there. I mean, this guy is prolific in terms of putting out information, and really, obviously, you can tell he just wants to help people change their lives. So uh, definitely go check out his website. Just look up under Jimmy Moore with uh, M O O R E uh, on Google. I'm sure you'll find him there too as well. If you get lost so anyways uh you can let us know how, what you think about this website uh this particular episode on our website at thewellnessguys.com make sure you like us on facebook we'll carry a conversation on facebook and uh, tell us what you think about his story and uh, make sure you sign up and subscribe uh, on our podcast on the itunes and so until next week begin creating wellness into our lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together so join us next week on the wellness guy show